everybody. I hope you're doing well today. You're about to hear a sermon at Laurentian Wesleyan Church in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. Whether you attend our church or are listening for the first time, we sincerely pray this recording is of help to you. And don't forget, it's always better live. Join us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again for listening. Do you think that you're a... You, are you a gullible person? You know what I mean by, by gullible? Can I, uh, you know, can I confess, uh, you know, Steve once in a while will send me a note and, and I take it too seriously. You know, I don't know if you remember. There's once in a while Steve will send a note and, and I'll be like, well, no, I didn't do that. Or, you know, and I'll respond and, it, and then he responds back. I realized it was all, he was just being, a, he was just joking. He was just, you know, trying to lighten the mood. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm too serious. I was, I was gullible, right? Are you gullible? Sometimes I can be gullible. While shopping for groceries, a husband and wife were offered a sample of cheese in the deli department. Just as they were reaching for the cheese, an alarm went off. Someone in the store had tried to use the emergency exit. And there was an alarm that went off. And the following conversation ensued. So this husband and wife and the guy giving out the cheese. What's that sound? The wife exclaimed. Oh, that's just the employee alarm, said the man handing out the cheese. And an, an employee alarm? Yes, it tells the managers that one of the employees tried to escape the building so they can retrieve them. At this point, the husband chuckled and however his wife was was quite serious and wide-eyed and said oh, oh that's awful don't worry by now they have already sedated them and locked them back in the closet with the rest of the off-duty employees they they lock up the employees only when they're not being used it stops them from being late to work you see someone someone needs to do something to help these poor employees the wife said with genuine concerned and the husband chimed in dear he's he's joking this that was a door alarm are you are you sure yes he assured her and they walked away and the husband thanked the employee for a good laugh right have you ever done something like that you're like what you know i had a i had a girl in the states at a camp i was at that uh course it's it's they just kind of walk into it sometimes but i had this american girl of course believing canada had eight day weeks and 26 hour days and uh really wow isn't that amazing and like here's your sign um some people will believe anything won't they some people will believe i think i think of the verse that we find in ephesians 4 14 and let me, I encourage you to open up to Ephesians chapter 4, if you'd like to. And uh, it says this, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. And we'll stop there for a moment. The promise, you know, the promise of the information age, the age that we, uh, as many would say, that we are in right now, it hasn't quite worked out <laughs> the way that we thought. Uh, there are wonderful things about it, but there are some other things. You know, it is said that in the year 1900, 
human knowledge, just kind of in general, human knowledge doubled every century. And, uh, and today, it is believed that our human knowledge doubles every year. Uh, you know, as kind of we learn things and it multiplies what we know and what we understand. And so let me give you, let me give you an example. Uh, I'm going to ask you two questions. Is coffee good for you? Are eggs good for you? Right? If you're like me, you have heard, even in my uh, uh, 40 years, flip-flops about this issue, right? Oh, eggs are bad for you. Everyone should stop eating eggs. And now, well, everyone should eat eggs. And have you heard the same thing about coffee, right? Coffee's good for you. No, coffee's bad for you. No, it's good for you. And, and it can be a little bit overwhelming, right? And there's all sorts of the problem is with the information age is we have so much information and it's accessible to us. You know, it, uh, the, the reality is if I were to search Google today and say, is coffee good for you? I might get your thoughts about it, you know, that you put on there instead of like the scientific stuff or whatever like that. We have so much information. It can be a little bit overwhelming. But but of course, we're in church today, and we're talking about the answers to the big questions of life, the answers to things that we come to Scripture for. Questions like, does, you know, not like, is coffee good for you, but does God exist and does He love us? Is there life after death and why am I here? And some of those questions you would say, well, I've settled that question, or other ones that we continue to learn as we. As we go, these are important questions, and you can think of those important spiritual questions that you, that you have and you come to God with. And so how do we avoid being tossed about by every wind of teaching, right? How can we be grounded in the truth? You know, if you, uh, if you kind of observe these things, uh, this kind of happens, you know, with fads and things like that in the world, right? Everybody seems to be... You know, I've seen it, everybody's, all of a sudden it seems everyone is an environmentalist and then nobody is. And then we go, you know, we go back and forth that way. But I've seen it even in the church. People get swept up by things sometimes. Some of those things can be, can be okay. I mean, does anyone, has anybody remember the prayer of Jabez <laughs> that swept through? Everyone was talking in the church about the prayer of Jabez. And then it kind of disappeared. I've just used that as an example. How do, we, uh, how do we keep on the straight and narrow, if you will? I love how this section of Scripture starts in uh, Ephesians 4, verse 7. It says, but to each of us, grace has been given. Let me start again. But to each of us, grace has been given us as Christ apportioned it, as he decided I like how the New Living Translation puts it. He, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. The grace of Christ. The generosity of Christ. We're reminded that we have been given. We've been given what we don't deserve. That's what grace is. And, and well, what did Christ give as we look at this passage? Part of how Christ's grace is given... It's through the leadership he has given the church, as we look at this for just a moment. In verse 11, we read this. 
So Christ gave, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. He gave the apostles. And when we would look at the apostles, they would be the ones that, uh, that had been with Jesus. And Jesus himself had sent out the apostles to establish the church. You know, we don't really think of this today, but this is before they had the New Testament. Right? They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the stories and, and teachings of Jesus written down. And so the apostles were sent and they established the church. And the prophets, those who deliver God's word to the people, the evangelists, those who, whose primary thing is, is preaching the good news of Jesus. You can't help but think of, of Billy Graham or uh, Louis Palau or those kind of uh, people. And then it says, uh, pastors and teachers, those who shepherd and care for those under their care and teach them the word of God and how to follow Jesus. So, okay, so part, part of the grace, I just think it's interesting to note that part of the grace that Christ has given us is this leadership and these people that have been through, uh, through history. But what is, what is their function? Okay, you know, we think of the Apostle Paul. and We see how he, he uh, established and wrote a lot of the New Testament, and it's such a help to us today. But why do we need this, any kind of, of leadership? I mean, all of these are given, including me as your pastor, to, in verse 12, it says, equip his people for service. Equip his people for works of service. We know that the church is Christ's hands in the world, right? Whenever I think of that, uh, what scripture teaches about that, I can't help but think of that story about that. Uh, after the war, there was a, a, a statue of Jesus and his hands had been, had been broken off and someone had put a sign, Jesus has no hands but yours, right? But isn't that true? He wants to use us. And so we are his hands in the world to do works of service. And he has placed us here to serve those in need, to give, to pray, and to care for others, and to share the good news about Jesus. I think this is, I think this is powerful. So catch this. It is, it is in this context that we become mature in our faith. That we grow from spiritual infants to maturity. You know, we might think that, you know, when we think of being mature, you know, we think of, uh, when you think of maturing as we do in life, you know, usually education comes in there. You think, well, you know, you're, you go to school and you're educated and you, and maybe you go to college or university or, or you go to the, as they call the school of hard knocks, you've learned through life. And you learn, and you go, and you learn. But that's not what we have here completely. Those things are important. But that we grow into maturity in community. Verse 13 ends with, and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Let me, re let me read that whole passage from verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Our faith becomes grounded and mature in the context of being part of the community of faith called the body of Christ. As we learn and gain the tools so we can go and serve. Christian maturity doesn't happen in isolation. And of course, we know that journey begins with, uh, with receiving Christ and, and, uh, and wrestling with who he is in our lives. And you know what? I appreciate Stephen Chantel's story so much because you know what? It's wonderful to have those stories of, of you can look back. You could almost write it down. Some people do today. You know, this is when this happened. And there's others that, you know, it has been a gradual thing. And we have, we, uh, we can keep surrendering to Christ. And he witnesses to our spirit and says, yes, you are my, my, uh, you are mine. But Christian maturity doesn't happen in isolation. He doesn't say, okay, you're my child. Have a good time, right? Going to church now, hear me, doesn't make you a Christian any more than Sitting in a garage makes you a car. But to say, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church, is a very foreign concept to the scriptures. It doesn't mean it's, it's easy to be in community. I think that's why in verse 13 it says, until we all reach unity in the faith. Until we all reach. Sometimes... Sometimes a community, or sometimes we use that word family, we have to work through stuff. Right? As you think of, as you think of a body, right? And we know that the body is a way that God has helped us understand the church and how we are all parts of the body. And there are sometimes, you know, just as in our physical body, that there are parts that need a little bit of help sometimes. And the stronger parts come in and they help and we grow together and we grow and learn and, and get stronger. But we work through stuff. We work through stuff. But we don't pull away from community. We press in and learn from the leadership God has put in place and from each other. Right? Can I, uh, can I just, you know, and this, I know that this is, this is, comes right home for some of us today. But when we think of our families, we know those things and those issues that come up over time where we pressed in and we worked through them. Right? And we also know those issues and things that come up at times where we pulled back and we pulled away. And that, family connection kind of is much less than maybe it could have been. And I understand we can't control other people. <laughs> I get that, right? But what I'm talking about in ourselves, when we have decided, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to pull away. I'm not going to, I'm not going to press in and deal with these things. And we have to leave the outcome to God as we pray and, and follow him. In verse 15, it continues to show us how we can avoid being thrown by false teaching and stay true to who God has called us to be when it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
speaking, speaking the truth in love. You know, years ago, I remember there was something that had happened to me. And, and it, uh, you know what, I don't know if you're good at telling stories or, or jokes or things like that. You know, my, uh, my Uncle Jim always has a joke you know, to tell. And it's, it's always awful. <laughs> it's just a, a groaner joke, right? Like uh, that kind of thing. Okay, Uncle Jim, right? But, uh, you know, I'm not one of those people. I can't remember stories. And so when I do remember something, I like, you know, I, you know, maybe I've told you certain stories over and over, <laughs> right? Because I like to tell them because I remember them. And I remember years ago, there was something that happened to me and I, uh, I, I was telling this story. And, and, uh, you know, I don't recall all the details of it, but I do remember that it, it was a little crude, this thing. It wasn't... Anyway, and so I started to... Oh, you know, I remember this story, and I started to tell, because it was, it was funny, but it was crude. And I remember I had a friend who had heard this story, and he just looked at me and says, you know what, is that really appropriate? Especially in mixed company. You know, is that really appropriate right now? And you know what? I'm so thankful for my friend... Because I had to step back and admit, you know what, Jeremy, that's, you're right. That's not appropriate. I, and, and I didn't tell it. You know, and to me, that's an example of speaking the truth in love. And I'm not saying that that's uh, easy, because you can easily get, what do you mean I can't tell this story, those kind of things. Now listen, speaking the truth in love doesn't give us permission to destroy people, right? What do I mean by that? Well, I've... I've watched some Christians who believe it's their job to tell everyone else what they're doing wrong, dropping what I call truth grenades, right? That they'll kind of, it's almost like they're walking by and like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. And they throw in a grenade and then walk away without any, uh, you know, being part of the conversation. I believe speaking the truth in love means you need to listen in love as well. And receive the truth back as it is spoken to you. And, and that's not always easy. It takes, it takes humility, doesn't it? Right? It takes, it takes the possibility that I am wrong. And you have to accept the fact that it, when you're in that conversation, it takes the, the possibility that, well, maybe I'm wrong. You know what? And sometimes, I'm sure you've had these kind of conversations that you get to the other end and you're like, well, you know what? I, I thank you for your concern, but I don't, I, I think this is okay. You know, I think we're okay. And, and I thank you for, for loving me enough to share that concern. Part of what it means to receive the grace Christ has given us is to learn from those who have gone before we have 2,000 years of men and women of strong faith who have wrestled with the same questions, the same scriptures that we do, and we can learn from them. And they can help us be grounded because it's dangerous when we think we can mature in isolation. We have a tendency to go extreme a little bit if we don't have the bouncing of the body. And it and it can go sideways if the bouncing isn't centered on God's word. I get that. But in a community of faith, the body of Christ that's centered on God's word and the help of the Holy Spirit, we need to give ourselves to that. 
Yesterday, it was my privilege to do the wedding of Cole and Emily Reed. And I was reminded of, uh, of an image that we have in Scripture, of course, that's often talked about at, uh, at weddings. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And I've heard it explained this way, that you think of those two strands, of two of a man and a woman coming together, and God is that third strand. I've heard it put that, that way before. But it's a simple image, but it's powerful, isn't it? That we are stronger we are stronger together. The secret to not be a gullible person <laughs> when it comes to the important things of life is to, of course, first invite Christ to be the Lord and leader of your life, but secondly, to be an active part of God's family. As we learn and grow and follow Christ's teaching with the Holy Spirit living in us, we will be built up in love as each of us plays the part that is ours to play. So how do we avoid being tossed about by every wind of teaching? How can we be grounded in the truth, be an active part of the body of Christ? And you know, I know that you might be thinking here today, well, pastor, I'm sitting here, you know, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, uh, there's things I'm involved in, that kind of stuff. And I, I would just say this as an encouragement to us and a challenge for us, right? How are we apart? But not so we can say, hey, look at all the people we have serving or look at all the work that we got done. But that as I look at this scripture, there's a part of this that helps us mature in our faith as we serve together as we work together, as we speak the truth in love together. There is growth that happens in that friction of life as we center on God's Word and the leading of His Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for listening today. It's our prayer that you would discover the love, joy, and purpose found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to hear from you, or better yet, why not visit us? You can find out more about our church at our website, LaurentianChurch.com. Laurentian Wesleyan Church, following Christ, growing together.